Good evening, Hampton Roads. Welcome to another edition of Dollars and Common Sense, your local source for objective, unbiased financial advice. I'm certified financial planner Kevin Zivna, alongside me as usual, CFP, Allison DeBrill. Together we come to you live every second and fourth Tuesday of the month to dialogue with you, take your calls. If you have a question or comment relating to your personal financial situation, then we'd love to hear from you. All we need is your first name, city you're calling from, and no matter what Alice and I are talking about, if it's important to you, then it's important to us. We'll get you right on air. 627-7979. That's 627-7979. Wealthway Financial Advisors is the proud sponsor of Dollars and Common Sense. We are an independent registered investment advisor, which means we're legally held to a fiduciary standard to put our client's interest ahead of our own in any business dealing, and that's the way it should be when you work with a financial advisor. As the premier financial planning firm in Hampton Roads, we integrate expert investment management with customized ongoing financial planning advice to help our clients answer life's big financial questions and enhance their quality of life. So by design, we can't work with everyone. We work with a relatively small group of high net worth individuals, but that's one of the reasons we feel so strongly about coming here every second and fourth Tuesday of the month at 6 p.m. And that's to reach out and help as many people as we can in the Hampton Roads listing area achieve your measure of financial success because it is a core belief at Wealthway Advisors that the overwhelming majority of people in this country have the opportunity for financial security if they choose it as a choice because it takes some time, it takes some effort, and it takes some knowledge. We are here to help. you got to take that first step, though. Pick up the phone. Give us a call, 627-7979. Whether you want to talk about anything having to do with the investment markets, the economy, insurance products like life insurance, health insurance, property casualty, taxes, tax planning, tax reduction strategies, retirement planning, retirement plans, 401ks, 403bs, TSPs, 457s, mortgage options, social security strategies, estate planning, wills and trusts, all that and more falls under the umbrella of personal finance we are here to discuss tonight. 627-7979. Good evening, Allison. Good evening. It's our last show before Christmas. Mm-hmm. I guess we're in the home stretch. Ten, 10 shopping days left. How are you doing? That's plenty of time. <laughs> that's that's a lifetime of shopping oh my that gosh. can be done. Really? Because I do most things on Amazon these days and like the pressure is on because we go out of town. So I'm now realizing it's too late and I'm going to be like running all over town to finish what I need to finish. Of course, they say that I'll cocky. But you know, my wife handles ninety nine. You just have to handle your wife, <laughs> right? Exactly. But that's really big. Hard. That's that's hard. Okay. Right. Very demanding. <laughs> well, it'll be here before we know it. Right. So speaking of holidays and year end, we thought it'd be fitting to talk about some year end planning aspects, things you might want to make sure you have already taken care of or things you might consider doing. So we'll talk about some uh, required minimum distributions that have to be done by the end of the year and hopefully get into some information about gifting. If you want to gift to family 
friends and charitable donations. This is a time of year where a lot of people do a lot of charitable giving, so we can talk about some strategies for that as well. Right, not exactly year-end planning strategies per se, but uh, a lot of activities that tend to happen near the end of the calendar year uh, that you might be thinking about now, and we'll give you some food for thought. But before we do that, we're going to go to one of our callers and speak to Jay out in Norfolk. Good evening, Jay. You're on Dollars and Common Sense. Thanks for the call. Thanks for taking my call. I was calling because I've received a promotion recently at work that's going to net approximately $550 more per month for my family budget. Uh, we were budgeting at a balanced budget before this promotion, so we have a surplus now of $550 a month, and I'm trying to make decisions about the wisest way to spend that extra monthly amount. All right. I'm glad you're thinking about that. Mm -hmm. Congratulations. Thank uh, you. Tell me, Jay, are you uh, saving into a company-sponsored retirement plan or any long-term savings right now? Yes, it comes out of a um, company match through our like payroll deductions, but it's not not a huge amount, I'll say. Okay. And, and how's your debt level? Got any uh, credit cards, uh, car loans, personal loans, anything like that? We don't we don't carry credit card debt, but we do have um, a car loan and a mortgage. Okay. Interest rate on that car loan? Uh, one point seven five percent. All right. Years. Yeah, great rate. Okay. What about the bank? How much do you have in set aside in the bank for like emergency rainy fund day? Sixty-some thousand dollars now. Mm. Okay. Sounds Healthy. like a pretty good. Are you comfortable with that amount? <laughs> I mean, I'd always like to have more. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, and do you know, I guess back to the savings question, do you know about how much you're saving in relation to your income? Like, are you saving a percentage of your income or is it just a dollar amount? Uh, before, it was a about five hundred dollars a month so you know the, the general math is whatever that is times you know 12 months and you know that's what we were in the plus every year so really not saving a lot that's why i'm wondering how to sort of best manage this newfound 550 dollars a month and i think you said we uh do you have a spouse that works outside the home um no she's a homemaker for our two small children okay Okay, Jay. Well, it sounds like, you know, from our brief conversation that you've got a lot of your ducks in a row. You know, the first priority, making sure you have an emergency fund so that you don't have to use debt. And it sounds like you don't have any bad debt that you have a really low interest rate car loan and um, a mortgage, which is, is not necessarily bad debt. So then I think the first area of opportunity would be to ramp up your long-term savings. So we typically recommend trying to save 10 to 15 percent of total gross household income towards long-term savings or retirement okay how do you feel about yeah. putting it all towards savings yeah so are you there yet i am not at 10 to 15 percent of gross family income uh, as far as savings annually i mean i don't even know if putting the 550 towards it would end up reaching that number so maybe that is the right place to build up that nest egg 
Yeah, and you don't have to get there overnight. That can be a gradual thing where you take opportunities just like this when you get a raise to put some or all of it towards your your future self, your retirement planning. Um, you know, it's okay to also give yourself a raise, a spending raise from time to time once you reach that savings uh, benchmark of 10 to 15%. Well, you definitely Fire, want... this has been very helpful. All right. Well, Jay, you definitely want to get it into uh, probably your company-sponsored retirement plan and make sure you get it invested, invested in long-term growth assets. That typically means stocks, which typically means mutual funds in your 401k plan. You've got a really good, healthy bank account. Don't feel the need, unless you have some other large impending expense out there, to build that bank account any higher because you're not going to make the returns on the bank account that you're going to make on those investments long term. Okay? Okay. All right, Jay. Well, thanks for the call. We appreciate it. 627-7979. If you have a question or comment related to your personal financial situation, jump on the phone lines. Give us a call. Maybe not the exciting answer he was hoping for. Like, just spend it all. <laughs> but, you know, doing the work early on or when you have these types of opportunities makes it a lot less painful because you're not cutting back on your spending and you will reap the benefits after years of doing this. Right. This is exactly the time to take advantage of this opportunity, capture it and harness it and use it wisely and you will continue to build on that solid financial foundation and then you will get to the point where you can spend it and you can spend freely and lavishly appropriately <laughs> on yourself to enjoy the finer things at life after you build a good solid financial foundation Okay, we got uh, another caller coming online. We're going to go up to Yorktown this time and speak with Michael. Good evening, Michael. You're on Dollars and Common Sense. Thanks for the call. Hey, guys. Hey, this this is Mike Mason, and, you know, I do one of these shows as well, and I just wanted to applaud you guys. What a great, what a great question and answering session you had with the previous caller. You know, not all... We, we can't help all the people, and neither can you. So when we have good people like you guys out there helping folks just like we do, what a great, what a great questioning. And, you know, maybe we think about Roth IRAs, you know, before just go, going into the pre-tax or, or post-tax 401K, but I just wanted to pat you guys on the back. What a great line of questioning and what great advice you gave. Well, thanks a lot, Mike. Uh, we really appreciate it. That's high praise coming from you. Uh, you guys run a great show as well on uh, opposite Tuesdays of us uh, at 6 o'clock as well. So Tuesdays is financial planning day mm -hmm. here at WNIS, and the good folks at Mason Associates are very helpful as well. So, Mike, we really appreciate that, appreciate that compliment, and uh, thanks for the call. Keep up the good work, guys. All right. Take thanks, care. Mike. 627-7979. If you have a question or comment relating to your personal financial uh, situation, give us a call. Right now, we're going to step out, take a short break. We're going to be right back after these messages. She's Allison. I'm Kevin. You're listening to Dollars and Common Sense on AM 790 WNIS. Life. 
And welcome back to Dollars and Common Sense, your local source for objective, unbiased financial advice. Alongside certified financial planner Allison DeBrill, I'm CFP Kevin Zivna. We're from Wealthway Financial Advisors, the premier financial planning firm in Hampton Roads, where we integrate expert investment management with customized ongoing financial planning advice to help our clients answer life's big financial questions and enhance their quality of life. For more information about us, look us up online at WealthwayAdvisors.com. You can request an information packet to find out what it's like to work with us or sign up for a free quarterly newsletter at WealthwayAdvisors.com. Just go to the contact page, put your name and address in the dialog box, select the appropriate drop-down menu, and we'll get that information out to you later on this week. And that's all we will use your name and address for is just to send you the information that you request. Or if you want to talk to a live human being and get a little bit more background, give us a call at the office. You probably speak with Donna, 456 2200. I want to remind everybody, your next show will be in two weeks on Tuesday, December 28th at 6 p.m. as usual. But if you can't catch us live on the second and fourth Tuesday of each month, you can get this show as a podcast. Search for Dollars in Common Sense wherever you get your podcasts. Click subscribe and listen anytime, anywhere. Download us to your smart device and listen to us at your leisure, and it's like magic. I don't even know. <laughs> He's saying this because he just learned this <laughs> recently. And but I guess yes, every, doesn't everyone works. get their podcast at Apple no, Music? No, so or? that's why I say that because yeah, I get them through iTunes. Tunes, yes. <laughs> but um, no, there's other platforms. So there's Spotify. There's, okay. I'm sure, many other things for non-Apple people such well, as yourself. Well, I have Google Podcasts. Right. I'm still figuring that out. <laughs> so, All right. Uh, 627-7979. If you have a question or comment relating to your personal financial situation, jump on the phone lines. Give us a call out to Virginia Beach now to speak with Marshall. Good evening, Marshall. You're on Dollars and Common Sense. Thanks for the call. Oh, yeah, thank you for taking my call, and sorry for kind of just even piggybacking on the first caller again, but my situation is similar, not quite as healthy of a bank account necessarily as he had, but um, would there be any advantage instead of doing, like, if you already have, like, long-term kind of stuff set up to doing, like, even just a taxable account, like, with investment to have, like, more return for that purpose, I guess? Well, certainly there could be a good reason to do a taxable, just a regular brokerage account. Um, we typically like the idea of maximizing retirement accounts first because you get the tax benefit um, depending on which type of retirement account. So if you're doing your employer-sponsored retirement plan, if you're doing pre-tax, you'd get a tax deduction for the money going in. Or if you're doing after-tax, then you get tax-free growth over um, the life of the account. So we like the tax benefits of retirement accounts and typically recommend maxing those out first if you're able. But there can be good reasons to diversify um, into a regular brokerage account for people who have shorter or medium-term go goals like a, a home purchase or something and uh, or want flexibility for an early retirement plan, things like that. Yeah, because one of the characteristics of putting money into a 401k plan or an IRA account is that you can't get it out until age 59 and a half without some right. sort of penalty. So you want to think about that money as long-term money and that you don't you don't want to have to touch that unless 
You know, it's a real dire emergency. So by having some money outside of that, investing in a regular brokerage account does give you that flexibility that you can reach into it whenever you want, sell off some investments and use the cash as needed. Yeah, and I guess the other thought I had on that was, like, a, obviously, you know, no one wants to die, but when you die, wouldn't your heirs, I guess, have a better benefit to get that step up versus from, like, a 401k where there could be issues with them having to pay tax and taking withdrawals there. True, yes. If you inherit a brokerage account, you'll get a step up in basis. Whereas if you retire, if you inherit a retirement account, then um, you do have to take withdrawals from the account. And it, it, the rules got more complicated with the last update on, yeah. you know, how quickly you would have to take it out of the tax protected wrapper. But um, we don't like to let the the tax tail wag the dog in the case right. of of that type of planning yeah okay that, that, i'll just have the question and thought you know from that call and this bird in my brain but i appreciate your time mm-hmm. all right marshall thanks for the call we appreciate it yeah it is okay it's one of the buckets we like to fill up mm-hmm. but it's a, da- a little bit further down the list than your company sponsored retirement plan make sure you have your emergency fund a health savings account we you know mm, we that really should be like first. You yeah know, if if you have access to one of those but then eventually you'll get to that uh traditional type of uh taxable brokerage account and that does have its benefits as well uh all right staying in virginia beach now and going to speak with john good evening john you're on dollars and common sense thank you very much i appreciate it so i'm looking at uh i understand how to find the percentage of my required minimum distribution and i understand that uh at age 72 uh you're able to um, donate money to a charitable organization, and that amount that you donate through um, your retirement account is not going to be uh, counted as taxable income to me when I do that. Is that correct? Yes, John. I'm so glad you brought that up. I wanted to talk about that today because I think that's uh, really timely and people should be aware of this. Play right into Allison's hands. Yes, perfect. Okay, Um, well, good. (laughs) So you're right. Once you turn age 72, you have to begin taking required minimum distributions. And like you already mentioned, it's a percentage of the account balance depending on how old you are. So it has right. the money has to come out of the account, um, but you have options as to what you do. You can just put it in your bank account and spend it. You could reinvest it in a regular brokerage account, or like you mentioned, you can send it directly to a charity. So it has to go directly from your retirement account, and it has to be an IRA. It can't be a 401k, actually. So it has to go directly from an IRA to the charity without you receiving it. And if it's done properly, it is completely excluded from taxable income. Okay, now, can can I take additional funds out of my IRA um, over and above that minimum distribution which I send to a charity? And it still be, um, can, can that part that I gave to the charitable um, organization, can that still be considered not income? Yes. So you're not limited to the required minimum distribution. You can donate up to $100,000 a year 
from your IRA to a charity, and it would be excluded from taxable income. Um, but if you okay, take, but if I don't want to use that additional money for a charitable donation, I need right. to use it for, say, family uh, needs. Right. Is if you that... take receipt of it, it's taxable income. Right. Okay. But if, but but what I'm again, what I'm saying, so long as the so I could take out more than the required minimum in a, in a calendar year. Uh, I could take the portion that was required uh, distribution, send that to a charity, but the additional amount that I took out would not jeopardize the non-taxable aspect of what I did with with the amount I gave to the charity. Yeah, I think I think you frame it out pretty well there, John. Um, we are going to have to take a break here for the news at the bottom of the hour. But when we come back, we will hit on some of the items that you just talked about and expand on the idea a little bit more, and hopefully that'll be helpful to you. In the meantime, anybody else got a call or question about your personal financial situation? Jump on the phone lines, give us a call, 627-7979. She's Allison, I'm Kevin. You're listening to Dollars and Common Sense on AM 790 WNIS. And welcome back to Dollars and Common Sense, your local source for objective, unbiased financial advice. Alongside certified financial planner Allison DeBrill, I'm CFP Kevin Zivna. We're from Wealthway Financial Advisors, the premier financial planning firm in Hampton Roads, where we integrate expert investment management with customized ongoing financial planning advice to help our clients answer life's big financial questions and enhance their quality of life. For more information about us, look us up online at wealthwayadvisors.com. You can request an information packet to find out what it's like to work with us or sign up for a free quarterly newsletter at wealthwayadvisors.com. Just go to the contact page, put your name and address in there, select the appropriate drop-down menu, and we'll get that information out to you later on in the week. And that's all we will use your name and address for, is just to send you the information that you request. Or you can give us a call in the office, speak to a live person, 456-2200. want to remind everybody, your next show will be in two weeks on Tuesday, December 28th at 6 p.m. Or you can catch this show as a rebroadcast on Saturday mornings sometime on the week, on the Saturday following the show. Uh, but if you can't catch us live or the rebroadcast on Saturday, you can always get us as a podcast. Uh, search for Dollars and Common Sense wherever you get your podcast. Download a smart device. Take us with you. Listen at your leisure. It's kind of like magic. All right, 456-2200. You have a question? or I'm sorry, that's our office number. Oh. <laughs> <I> was, <laughs> well, you can call that too, uh, yeah, not do, right now. You can do that, but uh, <laughs> no one's going to answer. Uh, but to be uh, uh, on the show, and if you have any question or comment relating to your personal financial situation, give us a call on studio line 627-7979. Right now we're going to go up to Cape Charles and speak with – oh, wait, that's right. Larry, Larry and Aaron, hold on a second. I said we were going to wrap it up with John uh, when we came back. Yeah, well, just go back to to John's question about donating from IRA accounts to charity. So he was just trying to figure out, you know, what counts as taxable, what counts as non-taxable. Any amount that comes out of an IRA that goes directly to charity is non-taxable. And you can still take 
additional amounts out directly to yourself that will be considered taxable and, and the two don't impact one another. Um, while the amount that goes to charity can satisfy your required minimum distribution, the destination is what determines the taxability of that uh, withdrawal. Mm-hmm. And a, a little uh, tidbit, because we were talking about age 72 to do these. These are called qualified charitable donations, but you actually qualify to do qualified charitable donations once you turn 70 and a half. So once you turn 70 and a half, you can make donations from your IRA to a charity tax-free. And then once you turn 72, that's when required minimum distributions kick in, just to make things complicated. Now, there is a little bit of administration involved. Um, We set up our clients with a special checkbook that is attached to their IRA, and they write checks directly to the charity from the IRA for this specific purpose so it is properly recorded for tax purposes. Yeah, and that I think is custodian specific. That's Mm -hmm. what our custodian does. Mm -hmm. Other custodians may have different procedure. But, um, you know, I will say this. This is not like an automatic thing that's indicated on your tax forms. And we see a lot of tax preparers missing this. So Mm -hmm. this essentially gives you an above-the-line charitable deduction versus below the line itemize because most people don't itemize anymore. So uh, just make sure if you're doing this that your tax preparer knows about this so that you get the deduction because they have to know and they have to do a special um, notation on your 1040. Yeah, it's all fun and games uh, until you fill out the tax form (laughs) on all this stuff and that's where the rubber meets the road. All right, now we're going to go up to Cape Charles and speak with Larry. Good evening, Larry. Thanks for your patience. You're on Dollars and Common Sense. Yeah, I just wondered about the uh, portion of the 401k that I paid in was after tax. Could I claim that like a capital gains instead of having to pay the full tax rate? Larry, is it Roth contributions or actual after tax? After tax. After tax. Okay. And is all the money still in your 401k? Yeah, still in there. Are you still contributing? No. You're retired? Yeah. Okay. Um, Well, that's a really good question. So your uh, after-tax contributions, how they are treated tax-wise, is dependent on whether you leave it in the 401k or roll it into the Roth. So um, typically, if you leave it all mixed up in the 401k bucket and you take a withdrawal from the 401k, it, I believe, is going to come out pro rata. So some of the money will be your pre-tax dollars, pre-tax matching, and some will be after-tax dollars. If you actually separate it out and you roll your after-tax money into a Roth IRA, then your earnings and growth going forward would be tax-free. So that's how you really get the benefit of, of that tax treatment. <clears throat> okay. I was just wondering, I mean, I didn't know if I, you know, <clears throat> the figures, it's a, it's a large amount from what, it, what I put in. Mm, so you have more after-tax than yeah. pre-tax? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I put in, uh, I put in the, uh, after tax, what I put in, 
has grown to a larger amount mm-hmm. over the years. Mm-hmm. So I was wondering if I could just claim that as capital gain, but I guess you can't. No, yeah, it's not. No, unfortunately, you can't do that, Larry. It's not that simple. Um, but you do separate if you can. You, you, there's some administration involved here too. You, you separate the two types of contributions, uh, get that after tax into a Roth, and then it can continue to grow uh, tax free in that Roth to do that. Uh, but you want to make okay. sure you do this carefully. And if you're not experienced in it, get the help of uh, an advisor. Um, who will get these uh, accounts set up properly, or sometimes the 401k provider is experienced in this, except they're usually order takers, um, not advisors. So you got to watch out there. Right, right, yeah. Okay, well, thank you a lot. All right, Larry, thanks for the call. We appreciate it. All right, right, now we're going to go over to Portsmouth and speak with Aaron. Good evening, Aaron. You're on Dollars and Common Sense. Hey, how's it going, Allison, Kevin? Thanks for taking my call. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Can you hear me okay? Yeah. Loud and clear. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, question is, I have two mortgages, um, obviously with real estate appreciating uh, significantly or lately. Um, question is, thoughts on doing a cash out refinance on one to pay off the other? Um, just want to make sure I'm paying attention to any fine print or tax implications or devil in the details moment here before I proceed with this. Aaron, what are the properties? Uh, Are they both uh, rental properties? Uh, One is primary and the second is uh, just a vacation home. Okay. Do you rent it out at all? I have. It's not listed as a rental, but people want to rent it i have but it's i don't view it as a rental i'm not sure what the legal description of that it would be but so you don't claim it as a rental property on your tax return at all no. okay i do not know okay what do you got as interest rates right now aaron uh three three five three two, in the threes one is three five but the other i got to check it's 3.5 rate, like a 3.20. Okay, and what, what's the idea behind this strategy? What are you hoping to accomplish? I'm sorry, broke up a little bit there, Alice. Yeah, what are you trying to do uh, from a strategy standpoint, Aaron? What would be the advantage? Strategy, you know what? I guess just the... Uh, minimizing some exposure and risk to have one of these properties fully paid off. I think would feel good. I don't know if there's a financial term for that, but also the monthly, the monthly payment appears that it'd be less Mm -hmm. if combined all into one mortgage. Yeah, that, that might be the, the, the primary objective um, is to simply just sort of refinance both mortgages, uh, lock in a great low 30-year fixed-rate mortgage, um, pay it back over an extended period of time. You almost certainly would lower your payment between the two um, without even doing some of the math. 
um, and that would free up some additional cash flow. But beyond that, it doesn't seem like there's really a lot of financial advantage um, to doing it this way. You did mention some psychological advantages that would just make you feel better. That's okay. But other than lowering the payment and locking in, uh, you know, you want to make sure that the, the rate you lock in, if you did do this cash out refinance, is the same as or lower than what you're paying right now on, on you know, either one of those mortgages. Yeah, really general rule of thumb is we like to see you be able to get a whole percentage point lower for it to make sense. And it, it depends on how far you in you are to these mortgages. I mean, how old are these mortgages? Uh, one is 12 years, one is five years. And are they both 30-year loans? They are. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you're not too far into the five-year loan, obviously, but you're almost halfway through the the other loan. So you'd have to look at that trade-off. And let me make this gen- general comment, Aaron. A, a lot of people f- have a burning desire to pay off their real estate, their primary residence. And there's really no compelling financial reason to do so when interest rates are as low as they are. Now, there are worse things to do than paying off your house. So I don't want to overstate it. But there's also a lot of better things you can do with that cash flow than paying down low-cost debt, which is what the mortgage is. Redirecting that cash flow into a company retirement plan or regular brokerage account that can earn you 7 8 9% on average long run is actually a better use of those funds than committing it to trying to pay down 3% mortgage debt faster. Does that make sense? It does. That's a great point. I appreciate that. Um, yes, last question I have, and then I'll hang up and listen to you uh, explain. But are there any tax loopholes, or would I be blindsided if I were to do this, like a capital gains penalty or some something I'm not considering if I were to do this? I can't think of any, no, penalties or or the only tax implication you would want to look into is whether this would affect the deductibility of your mortgage. Because um, typically you can only deduct mortgage interest for loans that were you know used to buy a property. So when you do a cash out refinance, if that's not used in certain ways, it's not deductible. This is a really a detailed point that you'd want to look into before pulling the trigger. I see. Okay. All right, guys. Thanks for your input. All right, Aaron. Thanks for the call. We appreciate it. 627-7979. If you've got a question or comment relating to your personal financial situations, we're going to step out, take a real quick break. We're going to be right back after this message. Stick around. She's Allison. I'm Kevin. You're listening to Dollars and Common Sense on AM 790 WNIS. And welcome back to Dollars and Common Sense, your local source for objective, unbiased financial advice. I'm certified financial planner Kevin Zivna. Alongside me, as usual, CFP Allison DeBrill. We're from Wealthway Financial Advisors, the premier financial planning firm in Hampton Roads, where we integrate expert investment management with customized ongoing financial planning advice 
to help our clients answer life's big financial questions and enhance their quality of life. For more information about us, look us up online at wealthwayadvisors.com. You can request an information packet to find out what it's like to work with us or sign up for a free quarterly newsletter at wealthwayadvisors.com. Just go to the contact page, put your name and address in there, select the appropriate drop-down menu, and we'll get that information out to you later on in the week. Our next show will be in two weeks on Tuesday, December 28th. But if you can't catch us live, you can get us as a podcast. Search for Dollars and Common Sense wherever you get your podcasts. Download us to your smart device and take us with you wherever you go. 627-7979. If you have a question or comment relating to your personal financial situation, we've got a few minutes left in the show. But if not, we've got plenty more stuff to talk about. Yeah, so we started the show off talking to a couple callers, and, and John had a good question about required minimum distributions. I just thought we would circle back to that because the deadline is fast approaching. If you are age 72 or older this year, then you are subject to required minimum distributions. That means there's a certain amount that has to come out of your 401ks, IRAs, SEP, Simples, retirement plans. Pretty much any retirement plan except Roth IRAs are not subject to RMDs. But um, know that it is uh, something that has to come out of the account by December 31st. And most custodians will do the math for you. They'll tell you the amount that has to come out. It's a percentage of the account based on how old you are. And it comes out as taxable ordinary income unless... You donate it directly to a charity like we were talking about with um, John. So any amount that goes directly to a charity can satisfy your required minimum distribution and is excluded from taxable income. And the rest that comes out, though, if it goes to you or if you reinvest it in a brokerage account, tax as ordinary income. And the reason why that's important to make the charitable contribution directly from the IRA is it's more tax efficient. You always have the option to take money, take with your required minimum distribution out of the IRA uh, and then donate what you want to charity. Uh, but then what comes out of the IRA is going to be taxes, ordinary income. And then you may or may not, depending on your tax situation, get a charitable deduction for the contribution. This way, if you do it directly from the IRA, it never shows up as income in the first place, and it's more tax efficient. Mm -hmm. So either way, whatever you decide to do, make sure your required minimum distribution is satisfied by December 31st. That means charities have to cash those checks, too. So then I know we don't have a lot of time left, but I did want to talk a little bit about gifting because we get a lot of questions around gifting really year round, but especially during this time of year, people often want to know, well, if I give a gift to children or grandchildren or family members, you know, what are the tax implications or what are the rules around that? So how much are you, you going to gift me this year? <laughs> oh, no, I'm, I'm the receiver. <laughs> <laughs> So um, gifting cash, whether it's, you know, cash from your bank account, money from a retirement account or an investment account, it's all considered cash. You are allowed to gift $15,000, up to $15,000 per year per person. So to any person without any tax implications and without any tracking or reporting. 
So it's it is not taxable not income taxable to the event. recipient. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no tax implications to the giver. You don't have to record it uh, on your tax form. It fifteen thousand dollars. It's all sort of under the radar. Have at it. Yeah. <laughs> and you can um, combine efforts if you're married. So if you're married, you can give someone 15000 and your spouse can give that same person 15000 Not taxable, not trackable. So mm-hmm. it's really simple. Um, but know that if you're in the position where you want to give more to a family member or a friend or anyone other than a, a charity, um, you can give more. And it doesn't mean that there's a tax implication. That's oftentimes a misunderstanding. It, it's just that we are limited in how much each of us are allowed to gift during our lifetime and, and at death when we pass away. But the limit is pretty hefty right now. Now, this changes often. Congress likes to play with this limit. But right now, any one person can give $11.7 million away during their life and at death without any tax implications. So I think that covers most mm. of our listening audience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if you're under, if you're giving under $11.7 million or your net worth is not anywhere near that, you don't really have to worry about tax implications of gifting. If you want to give more than 15000 a year, it just means that there's an extra tax filing that you have to do to keep track of it so that they know how much you've given uh, against that lifetime limit of $11.7 million. Yeah, because if for some reason you did give over that $11.7, uh, your state was greater than 11.7, then a federal uh, tax does come into play at that point in time. And so you you, you 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 either give it away while you're alive or you give it away at death. Up to 11.7, though, is sheltered from any income tax implications. There just can be some recording that needs to be done if it's more than $15,000 per year per person. And there's another caveat to that. So if you are interested in making a gift maybe to a child or grandchild for um, tuition or maybe a loved one has medical expenses, if you pay tuition directly to the school or directly to the medical institution, um, that's not even considered a gift. You can do unlimited tuition payments or medical payments on behalf of someone else, and it doesn't count against any of those limits. So just if if there's a need to do that, um, you just make sure you make it direct and you have no tracking or tax implications. And if you just, you know, give, uh, this is per giving to people, but if you give to charities, none of this really applies. Right. So, right. you know, gifting to qualified 501c3 properly organized charities is unlimited. No limit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Yeah. On an annual basis uh, or at your death. Uh, you can give it all away and your state avoids taxation. Because if you do have an estate greater than $11.7 million, then the estate tax can become fairly onerous pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. But with proper planning, that can easily be avoided by most people, either during lifetime or at death. All right, that's all the time we have for tonight. And we appreciate all our callers. You're what helped make the show. We're going to be back in two weeks, Tuesday, December 28th, 6 p.m. In the meantime, if you want any more information about us, go online. Check us out at WealthwayAdvisors.com. For certified financial planner Allison DeBrill, I'm CFP Kevin Zivna. You've been listening to Dollars and Common Sense on AM790 WNIS.
The preceding program was sponsored and paid for by Wealthway Financial Advisors. We are solely responsible for its content.